This is One Bills Live, presented by Kaleida Health. Happy Friday, everybody. A big Friday evening coming your way here at One Bills Drive. We'll get into that in a second. Chris Brown, Matty Glab with you. As Steve is, you know, braving the woods. He's camping. Uh, with his sons. I, I don't know. He's going to get eaten alive out there. I hope he has expert, professional, commercial-grade bug spray. Yeah, I don't need to do that. Yeah. I don't even... My wife is not a camper at all. Like, I don't even think she would go glamping. I would do glamping. You would? Okay. Yeah. Like in a motorhome kind of thing. Yeah. That is a little different. Or in a nice tent that actually has access to some running water. And I'm not saying this because I, like have always hated camping. I went backpacking for eight days my senior year in high school, Ooh. my summer going into college, in Colorado, in the mountains, like hiked several miles a day. Okay. Everything that we needed was on our backs, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, powdered food, you, you know, wow, the whole that's like... hardcore. Yeah. We, we were in the mountains, living the nature life, nature. whatever you want to call it. Yeah. And after that, I was like, I'm good. I have done enough <laughs> camping for my entire life. This had its points where it was really fun, but it also had the points within the trip where I was like, why am I out here? We yeah. lost our backpacks for two hours one day. After we peaked a mountain, we were coming back down. Didn't know where our packs were. We almost had to get a helicopter out of there. Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Yeah. A singular <laughs> standalone experience for one Maddie Lab. And I can understand why. Eight days, that's a stretch. Yeah. Usually it's like no three days and you're ready to. Yeah, that's what I I'm was talking disgusting. about. I mean, by day eight, everybody's ripe. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, <laughs> I mean mm-hmm. at least you're all in the same boat. Yep. But yeah, you come back to civilization and it's just like. Find me a shower yes. now. Yes. Like immediately. <laughs> so, yeah, I get it. Um, fortunately for us, at least as I have been told, Steve on his way back. He's going to shower. He's going to be showering at St. John Fisher. <laughs> oh, man. Because he's driving back <laughs> from the Adirondacks and he's going to shower there. So, fortunately for all of us, at practice on Monday, he will be squeaky clean, thankfully. Uh, after three days uh, in the Adirondacks there. But, uh, you know, if that's what he likes doing with yeah. his boys, all the more power to him. I, Not for me. I go on a fishing trip, but I'm not sleeping in the woods wh- waiting for who knows what kind Agreed. of animal is going to be Agreed. showing up, you know. <laughs> uh, but ho- hope he has fun. Uh, we've got uh, a big evening in store here at One Bills Drive. As you know, it is the return of the blue and red, the annual return of the team from training camp where there will be a scrimmage-like atmosphere at some point in practice today. It will be run like a regular practice for the most part. Could be some extended scrimmage work, maybe even some goal line work, because uh, they'll be in full pads, ready to roll. And, you know, as Sean McDermott has said time and again since he's been here, this is what he uses as kind of the dress rehearsal to mm-hmm. get players ready, especially new players, ready for how game day unfolds. On a Sunday here. Yeah, going through warm-ups, where you go for warm-ups, where you get into the locker room, where you exit the locker room, how all of that works, the timing of everything. Uh, for rookies, for new players, especially rookies, this is a 
I need to pay attention to what's going on because right. this is going to be what home games are like for me. And Sean McDermott also said when he spoke to the media yesterday before practice, he said the return of the blue and red practice is a point where the coaches and the scouts begin to really ramp up that evaluation process when it comes to looking at the roster and thinking about how they're going to whittle it down. So it should be a good atmosphere. Um, players are really good after practice about signing for fans. They try mm-hmm. to get all the way around the stadium in some capacity to sign for the fans that are going to be in attendance tonight. All the tickets have been distributed for that. So if you do not have a ticket, don't just show up to Highmark Stadium tonight <laughs> uh, and think you're getting in. It's not the way it works. Uh, tickets went up for availability, I want to say, like a month and a half ago, uh, and they went very quickly. No charge, but still, they were uh, in demand in a big, big way. But looking forward to that tonight. And then basically to lay out the schedule, players are off tomorrow and then back on the practice field Sunday and then right back to a whole new week at camp Monday. So they'll be back at camp for a Sunday practice and then again on Monday. And then by next week at this time, they'll be done Mm -hmm. at St. John Fisher. They'll be back here running right up to the regular season as they make their way through the preseason schedule. Yep. Thursday is their last practice at St. John Fisher University. And then Saturday marks that first preseason game, not this Saturday, but next Saturday, the first preseason game for the Bills and the only home preseason game for the Bills this year. So, yeah, the first one and then it's out of the way and then they're on the road for Mm -hmm. two. So, yeah. It's it's going to I just feel like it's going to go really fast. Yeah. Like we're going to blink and we're going to be into like preseason game number two in Chicago or something or Indy or wherever. It, oh, no, Indy's here mm-hmm. next week. So it's going to we're just going to blink and we're going to be right up on the regular season in no time flat for sure. Let's go around the NFL here a little bit, Maddie. We got some news. Obviously, mm-hmm. the biggest news on the NFL landscape was the Hall of Fame game last night around the NFL presented by Collada Health, the official health care system of the Buffalo Bills, Jets and Browns last night in Canton at the Hall of Fame game. Browns came back to win 21-16. And the big story, as far as the Jets are concerned, is their offensive tackle and former first-round pick, Mekhi Becton. It's basically missed each of the last two years with knee problems. Was supposed to play 20 to 25 snaps last night. Started at left tackle. He played just seven and then pulled himself out of the game because of what he described as discomfort in his knee. Asked about it after the game, here is his quote. I wouldn't say I've got to get more confident with it. I've just got to know that this is my new normal. I'm going to have days where it's painful and days where it's not painful. That's just what it is. It's a little tough, but I'll be all right. Because head coach Robert Sala after the game was asked about, hey, why did Beckton only play seven snaps? He said his knee was bothering him. And then he said, I think he's got to build up some confidence in that knee after missing two years, which, look, I can respect as much as the next person. I just know that within that organization, there has got to be some measure of frustration that, you know, this guy was like, I want to say the sixth pick in the draft, and they can't get him on the field. It's like time after time, something comes up with his knee, and he's a huge man. I mean, let's not debate that. He's like 360 pounds. So there's a lot of weight on those joints, so I get it, but yeah, you wonder where that's going to go because he keeps doing that. You wonder if he even makes the roster. Yeah, and they dealt with a little bit of off-season drama with him once they were in OTAs of, of 
him saying, hey, I'm, I'm going to be the starter, and Robert Sala saying, you need to earn it. You've been off the field. This is your opportunity. Go earn that job. And, and for him to come off of the field last night after he was supposed to play 20 to 25 snaps, I mean, you hate that for a guy who's trying to get comfortable on the field. I know I'm sure every player in the NFL who has came back from a big injury and is going through that testing period, finally in live reps, trying to get used to a, a brace that you have to wear, some discomfort, I'm sure it doesn't come easy. So hopefully he can get used to it. It, it can be less of a, a factor for him when he's out there because if you're the Jets, they have to figure that situation out. And to be figuring out something different if Mekhi Becton is going to be uncomfortable and they have to think of, you know, next man up mentality, that's not something a coaching staff wants to be going through in the middle of training camp. Right. He was not projected to start at left tackle for them. They're going to use veteran Dwayne Brown, who I think turns 39 Mm -hmm. before the season is over. He is currently on the PUP list for them. So he wasn't going to play last night. I don't think he would have played if he was healthy either. They weren't going to play anybody in this, what amounts to an extra preseason game. The Jets and Browns have four. Everybody else has three because they were chosen to play in this game. The the general consensus, at least from what I've read from the reports out of Jets camp, is that he was going to compete to be the starting right tackle for the team. Uh, But they put him over on the left side last night. And, you know, Max Mitchell, who was their fourth-round pick last year, He also suffered a season-ending injury probably like six games into the season. He's coming back from an injury as well, so I think those two guys are kind of competing for the starting job over there. But I just wonder how much rope they're going to give Becton after two years of just being unable to get healthy, stay on the field. It's like you want to believe in the guy and stand by him, especially someone you invested a first-round pick in. But, man, he might be running out of time here quickly. Uh, you just kind of it's – it's the mental hurdle that we always hear about with these guys coming off major injuries. I'm sure Tredavious last year yeah, had to kind of travel that mental hurdle a little bit because it was the first major injury that Trey had ever had in his career. I mean, outside of turned ankles and, a you know, a pulled muscle, he had never had anything more significant than that. And then all of a sudden his knee doesn't work, like quite literally. So I, I can only imagine – you know, what it's like to try to get over that hurdle and play at top speed again and have full confidence, in this case, in your knee. I watched the seven snaps that he had last night because one of the New York reporters had him sitting there. Mm-hmm. Like, here's all his seven snaps. He did fine. Like, he blocked down well. He pass protected well. His slide looked good. But he's just like, yeah, I'm not taking a chance. I'm getting out of here. So Ugh. we'll see how it's received by the Jets. The other Jets news <laughs> concerns the real estate market. The juicy Jets news. Aaron Rodgers purchases a $9.5 million mansion in New Jersey. It's about 10 minutes' drive from MetLife Stadium. 4,000 square feet, 10 bathrooms, and 8 bedrooms in Montclair, New Jersey. Comes with a gourmet kitchen, Mm. a media room, a wine cellar, and a three-car garage, according to the report. The guy is single, right? Like... Does he, is he moving his family Why isn't he in? just getting a condo? Like, is he going to have post-game parties maybe every week? Yeah, maybe he's hosting the team That's every the only week, thing I can whole, think of. Yeah, exactly. Man, or it's just what you do when you got a lot of money. I guess. You just throw it around a little bit and 
Hire a full-time staff. Hey, nine and a half million. That's nothing. Yeah, that's nothing. That's I had to give change. money back to the Jets, but hey, I'm still I'm still rich. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, there were pictures out there floating around on social media. So I think Jets fans are like, "Ooh, this is a good sign." You know, he said he's going to be here for a few years, so he's already bought a house. This is great. He's putting down roots, everybody. Yeah, ex- exactly, he's putting down <laughs> roots. Exactly. So we'll see what comes of it. I mean, these guys go through houses like water. Yeah. Uh, in the NFL, just by the nature of the fact that a lot of these guys move around a lot, probably coaches more than players, but still, uh, they're used to buying and selling houses left, right, and center. Uh, big free agent news is pass rusher Yannick Ngakwe has signed a one-year deal with the Chicago Bears, $10.5 million. That's a pretty good contract Yeah, this late in the game. Bears are Ngakwe's fifth team since 2020, and as Steve Tasker often says on this show, Maddie. When a guy plays for a lot of different teams, that's not by accident. <laughs> um, but all that being said, the Bears are one of the few teams with cap space still left. Mm-hmm. So they could afford to sign him to a fair market deal, and that's just what happened. And I don't need to tell you, um, you know, being a dyed-in-the-wool Bears fan growing up, that their pass rush was pitiful last year. Do you know their defensive lineman only had seven-and-a-half sacks combined oh my gosh i didn't know that that's unbelievable Ooh, that's bad i have that's got to be a record yeah for a, for a record low seven and a half sacks from your entire defensive lineman yikes crew. i mean greg rousseau had eight yeah <laughs> yeah when aj up and i missed four games six and a half six six and a half last year that's just that blows my mind they pressured quarterbacks 22% of pass plays last year. That was second worst in the league behind the Falcons. So Chicago also going to sign Mercedes Lewis, the mm-hmm. ageless wonder at tight end. Going to be 39 years old, played the last five seasons for the Packers, mostly now just a big blocking tight end, but has pass catching ability. This guy's like a cockroach. You can't kill him. He's still at 39. The guy's still signing contracts. It's and it's crazy. Like quarterback, thirty nine, okay. Yeah. Kicker, thirty nine, okay. End. <laughs> yeah, maybe, okay, maybe. Yeah, tight. But a tight end, like thirty nine. What are you doing? Uh, tip my hat. It's impressive. I, I don't think anybody could have uh, foreseen that. I remember when he came in with the Jacksonville Jaguars, and that was like eons ago. It mm-hmm. seems when uh, God, I think this is his nineteenth or eighteenth season. Jeez. That guy better knock on wood. You know how lucky he is to be still playing at this age? I'll tell you and one st- thing. And still want to be playing well, at yeah, that right, age? Right. That's, That's the, the other, other thing. Th- yes, absolutely. You're um, 39. You're not a quarterback. What are you doing? Yeah. What are we doing here? But i got. I tell you one thing. His NFL pension is going to look great. Mm-hmm. I mean, all this earning, my goodness, he's, he's going to be in good shape. Some bad news out of Falcons camp. Cornerback Jeff Okuda, who they just traded for, in the offseason, in a deal with Detroit, got carted off the practice field today with a bad ankle injury. No word on whether surgery is going to be necessary or how long he might be out. There's still He's got to get examined because it just happened this morning. But that's not good because he was put in ink as a starting corner in Atlanta's secondary. And you feel bad when you know teams take a big swing to try to make their team better. They trade assets to get a high-profile player. And then that player, you know, comes up with an injury. And I mean, we don't know. It could be out indefinitely. Maybe it's nothing. We'll have to see, though. You get carted off. That's never good. 
Yeah, you hear about these training camp injuries and, and every one that you hear about from Jalen Ramsey to Jeff Okuda, it's like, well, I just want to put every player of ours in bubble wrap when they go out on the field for practices because it terrifies you. Oh, no, thank you. I don't want any injuries heading into the season. Naheem Hines injury, that was enough. No, no more yeah, for right? us. So yeah. I think we paid our dues there. Yeah, we're good. The Saints signed veteran pass rusher Cameron Jordan to a two-year extension worth $27.5 million. He's kind of the face of the franchise ever since, you know, Drew Brees retired. So he's likely to play his entire career in New Orleans. That, you never see that's that a rarity. anymore. It's a rarity. Mm-hmm. He is a rare exception to the rule in this league. So good for him. Uh, you know, been an upstanding, uh, you know, representative of that team and, I saw him on some of the footage we saw from Von Miller's pass rushing summit. He was out there tutoring some of the young guys. So just a, a salt of the earth guy. So, you know, it's easy to be happy for guys like that. So good for him signing an extension down there. And then a little bit of unfortunate news with a Bills connection. Scott Quessenberry, younger brother of Bills offensive lineman David Quessenberry, put on injured reserve by the Houston Texans apparently tore his ACL and MCL, and he is going to miss the 2023 season. So unfortunate break for him, for sure, Um, especially with all the excitement they got going on down there with their new quarterback, C.J. Stroud. He was a guy that, you know, could have been snapping Mm -hmm. to C.J. Stroud this year because he plays the center spot, but unfortunately that is not going to happen. When I was looking up this injury, Maddie, it was interesting because I knew that, David Questenberry, who plays here for the Bills, had Scott as a brother. But there's another brother, Paul Questenberry. And all three of them in their careers have played for the Texans, which is pretty crazy. But, but there it is. I mean, that's like right up there with the three Watt brothers. Mm-hmm. You know, you got the Boses, and there's two of them. But there's three Watts, and there's three Questenberries. There were three Edmonds, as we yeah, know. three Edmonds. But that's a... Uh, I don't know. I'm impressed by that. But, yeah, feel bad for uh, his younger brother, Scott. So we wish him well in his recovery. It is Friday, and in addition to the return of the Blue and Red practice this evening at 530, here on One Bills Live, we also have the Fan Friday mailbag. So any questions that you have on your mind about what's gone on in training camp, maybe somebody that you're curious about, how are they looking Uh, Manny and I are here to help. We've basically taken in every practice start to finish of each session out there at St. John Fisher. So if you have a question about the roster, question about the coaching staff, the league, the division, anything under the sun, you fire it off to us at either the tweet sheet at One Bills Live, or you can give us a call, 803-0550, the number to get on board. Got some open lines for you right now. So anything under the sun, Fire it off at us. One other programming note, hour number two, we will have the guys spinning the wheels of steel tonight at the practice here on set with us, DJ Milk and DJ Yes. It's a double DJ bonus uh, here for hour number two. And I've got some questions for them. Oh, yeah. I mean, are you, are you ready to roll I'm here? I'm ready. I think I'm I might excited. even make a couple of requests. They're going to bring the if juice. If that's okay. I will say that I do like the respect that they have for some old school stuff, you know, for us older people. I mean, it's not just all the new stuff that, uh, you know, 
the teenage. You're jamming out on the field sometimes. Yeah, you know, it was funny. The other day, Tasker and I are standing out there, and he's trying to count up players, and I'm doing the same. And I, he's, like, bobbing around, and so I'm looking over at him, and his knees bent. You know, he's doing the knee bend thing <laughs> to the beat. And I was like, oh, you like this one, huh? He goes, I don't know. I don't even, he goes, I couldn't tell you what this song is. He goes, but it's got a good beat, and you can dance to it. I was like, oh, my God, it's the American Bandstand quote. Um, <laughs> but he, he was liking it. So, yeah. No, they do a good job. It's, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I'm a little partial to. Uh, You're you know. trying to please a roster of 80 something guys right now. Yeah. Can't Not make everybody happy. Easy. Can't make everybody happy. But if you have a question, fire it off to us 803 0550 1 888 The number to get on board, ask us a question. Manny and I will have an answer for you. Uh, I am going to uh, start with maybe one thing that has stuck out to me, I think we can agree that Dalton Kincaid has kind of mm-hmm. been the story of training camp, but you mentioned this in the top three things to know from practice yesterday, how the cornerback two battle is heating up, and both guys that are in the thick of that competition, Christian Benford as well, but Dane Jackson and Kyrie Elam, both with strong days on the practice field, and not just because of the INTs they each got. They've been pretty steady here the last couple of days. Yeah, they've had a few pass breakups in there. There was uh, when they were in one-on-ones yesterday, which they did a longer period of one-on-ones. There was a pass that was intended for Stefan Diggs from Josh Allen, and Kyir Elam got right in there and broke it up. Dane Jackson broke up a few plays, um, had some great coverage on some plays when they were working on team in the red zone. Um, he was there on a ball for Khalil Shakir that he broke up um the two went up for it Dane was able to pop the ball out so they've both had impressive plays throughout camp I mean Christian Benford has been right there as well he had an interception early on during camp so I'm very intrigued to see at this point I'm almost more intrigued to see what happens with that CB2 battle versus the middle linebacker battle yeah and you know, some people would argue, well, which competition is more important? Well, they got to get an answer at both spots mm-hmm. regardless by the time they get to the regular season. But we were debating this on the air the other day. And, I mean, the middle linebacker is pretty critical because the guy's running the defense for you. And it's also the guy that Sean McDermott has to communicate with down in and down out, probably sometimes even on the sideline between series. And so that one is of paramount importance. But as we know, in this division – with people like Garrett Wilson and Jalen Waddell and Tyreek Hill running around and Devontae Parker, for that matter, up in New England, you got to have a guy that you can trust out there, you know, in those one-on-one matchups when they surface. So both positions, super important. I I really think it's going to be nip and tuck here, though. I know. They each trade off days and plays, and it's like I could see see any of them being out there for week one. And I guess that's kind of a – good dilemma because yeah. I think all of them so you think about Dane Jackson Kyrie Elam and Christian Benford all three of them have played I think the coaches have a pretty good handle on their body of work from last year coming into this season and now it's kind of a jumping off point from there it's not like you're starting from scratch with any one of those three like last year you're trying to find out can Kyrie Elam handle this zone coverage? Like, can he play this? Because we didn't see any tape evidence of that at Florida. You already know some of those answers already. Now I, I really feel 
it truly is a performance competition because I think the coaching staff knows the three candidates well enough. And probably the same goes for the middle linebacker right, spot as right. well with the competition there because all those guys have been in the fold now that Dorian Williams is no longer part of that competition because yeah. he's the only newbie, really, mm-hmm. when you think about it. Yeah, I mean, Sean McDermott, when – when we have asked him about, okay, what's your timeline for the CB2 battle? What's your timeline for for figuring out who's going to be the Mike linebacker of this team? It's always been, you know, I, I have something in mind, not a specific date, but you, you probably have a timeline of, okay, we need somebody, of right. course, by week one, but we would like to have it settled by whatever that time is in his mind. But uh, another part of his answer has always been like, They've got to. They've got to show us. Yeah. Somebody has got to emerge as the best guy. Right, and that's the key. What you just said there, emerge. Someone has to separate themselves from the other two guys to definitively say, "I am the best option here at this position." And if there's no separation, you know, what are we going to do? Are they going to platoon like they've done in the past? You know, with Levi Wallace and Kevin Johnson, or with Benford and Elam last year. Do they go that route, or do they just make the best decision they feel they can at that time and see how it works, and then if it doesn't, choose a different course of action? We'll have to just wait and see. But let's go to the phones at 803-0550, 1-888-550-2550. Number to get on board. Got an open line for you if you got a question for us. We lead off today with Kyle down in Tennessee. What's up, Kyle? Hey, Chris and Maddie. How are you guys today? Doing great. Hey, I um. So I did some research. I wanted to look at every team in the NFL, how they structure their rosters, um, and you know which teams are taking the the biggest risks with their with their salary caps, right? So I found the um, the salaries for the top four paid players of each team, and got those percentages of their salary caps and. I found out where the Bills are at. The Bills are at 17th in the league at 28%. And I wanted to um, get your guys' reaction on that as well as the AFC East in general. Um, The AFC East is the least, if I could put it this way, the least riskiest division in the whole NFL. I mean, the the Dolphins are at 28th with just 23% of their – salary cap being right. given to their top four paid players. I mean, that they have a very, you know, very evenly distributed roster in terms of their salary cap. Right. Um, and, and the Patriots and the Jets do as well. And then two other things I wanted to get your guys' reaction. I'm sorry, this is a lot. But uh, the Chiefs. The Chiefs are the number one riskiest team in the NFL. And a huge piece of that is obviously Patrick Mahomes. His salary consists of 18% of their entire salary cap. That is number one in the entire league. Um, It's almost as much as the very uh, least riskiest team, which is the Philadelphia Eagles, the two teams that were in the Super Bowl last year. Um, One is the riskiest and and the other is the least riskiest. And uh, it just makes you feel like the Eagles are going to have another great year. Um, So anyways, I know that was a lot, but, I hope, hope that made sense. Just yeah, no, I get it and appreciate the research you did on that, Kyle. But I think you need to look no further than the quarterback position because the Dolphins are in a less risky spot because they haven't paid Tua yet. And if they do or they don't, I think is largely going to hinge on how this season goes. 
And then if you look at the Jets, Aaron Rodgers just gave them $35 million refund. So that's why they're in a good position. And the Patriots haven't paid Mac Jones yet. He's still on his rookie contract. And, you know, you're talking about the Chiefs. And, yes, Mahomes' contract is getting rather sizable now. It was pretty cap-friendly in the first couple of years of the extension, the 10-year deal. But now it's getting up there. And, you know, you can – what was the other team? Oh, the Eagles. They just signed Hurts to the giant extension, but year one is very cap-friendly on that deal. And that's why they've been able to keep the cost down in an area where they can still sign other players on the roster. But that's eventually going to change as well. The interesting thing, Maddie, that I've been reading about is at some point in time, probably once we get to the $60 million a year range for quarterbacks, around that time there's going to be a lot more clamoring for quarterbacks to be a separate cap unto themselves from the rest of the roster because, as you heard Kyle mention, it's already 18 to 20% of your cap. Yeah, and then you have, you know, position groups like the running backs who are coming together and, and wanting more money. They're, they believe they're, they're valued more than, than what they've been offered at several teams. And, yeah. and it depends on the situation, of course. It depends on what team you're playing for and the offense that that team is running. But, you know, you also look at it as where is this team in their timeline with whatever quarterback they have. Is that quarterback on a rookie deal? Is that quarterback on a big-time deal with a lot of money? Where are they within that deal? And then do you have a veteran quarterback that is not one of the top five guys in the league and also doesn't have a huge salary to go along with it? I think that plays, we all know it plays the biggest factor in terms of salary cap, how much you can spend. Quarterbacks being in their own category, would make sense with how hefty and how big these yeah. salaries have gotten with guys like Patrick Mahomes and, and Joe Burrow and and Jalen Hurts and Josh Allen was a is is a deal now compared to what some of the other, some of these other quarterbacks have now gotten over the last year. Right, and his contract technically runs through the twenty twenty eight season. There is an out in there in twenty twenty six. When maybe the two sides come back to the table mm-hmm. and say, look, your contract is no longer fair market value. Let's do right by you based on what you do for the team. I would imagine they would be sitting down and doing that at that point in time. But for the next couple of seasons here, yeah, you're right, Kyle. They are not in a risky position in comparison to other teams in terms of gobbling up the salary because his salary, which was or his contract, which was signed back in right before the what was it, twenty twenty season or the twenty twenty one season? Twenty twenty, um, I think. Um, it's it's an affordable deal now, and it'll only get more affordable after Joe Burrow signs. So uh, that puts the Bills in a good position for the next couple of years to navigate the cap restrictions. We got to take a quick break here. But Mark in West Seneca, Judy in Buffalo, they'll be first up when we return, but still have some open lines for you here on this Friday fan mailbag. You got a question. Maddie and I hopefully have your answer here on One Bills Live, presented by Kaleida Health. It's Buffalo Bills Radio. All right, back here on a Friday edition of One Bills Live. Chris Brown, Maddie Glab with you. And the Friday fan mailbag is open for your questions at 803-0550-1888-550-2550, the number to get on board. Got any questions about training camp, who's looking good, what we think about uh, position battles, you let us know and ask us 
on the phone lines or on Twitter at One Bills Live. Back to the phones we go and to Mark in West Seneca. Uh, let me pull him up here. What do you got for us, Mark? Uh, good afternoon. A uh, uh, couple. I got three three uh, players in particular. I'm, I'm I'm curious about. First of all, um, there's been so much talk about the right guard competition. There hasn't been a lot of talk about Connor McGovern. So I'm very curious. Has he looked? What, has he been what they expected? Is it typical what they said about him? Better pass blocker than run blocker. That kind of thing. Uh, has he pretty much lived up to the billing and and what they expected so far? Maybe he's having a good camp. Um, Poyer and Hyde. Do they look like the great players they've always been still? And uh, or do they look like they maybe have less, uh, lost a step? I've heard a couple plays that were mentioned where guys got out run to the corner and stuff like that. But And are they wearing any kind of extra protection, especially Hyde on that neck, uh, than they ever did before? And then lastly, Jordan Phillips. I have not heard anything about his projected return to practice uh, when they expect him to be fully recovered or anything like that, and is he actually in danger of losing his roster spot? So those are my questions. Thanks, guys. Okay, thanks, Mark. Appreciate that. You want to start with Connor McGovern there, Manny? Connor McGovern has been out there just about every play of training camp. He looks like a solid piece to the offensive line this this offseason when they grabbed him, and, and now we've gotten to see it through OTAs and training camp. I mean, he looks like one of the main guys out there. He's been um, repping with all the guys you think he would. Um, he's done a good job from what I can see. Uh, that's why they've kept him in so much. Um, so I think he'll be a nice addition to the offensive line. He he adds a little bit of size to that line. They went out and they got guys who, who are very similar in, in height and stature right. in a lot of ways. So it shows what type of offensive lineman they're looking for for this season with the offense that they plan to run. So I'm excited to see Connor McGovern out there. I've talked to um, several people in the media and some players just about what this offensive line could do this season. I I know we've seen injuries happen to the line and, and the offensive line no matter what team you're on can be a revolving door at times, just because of what these guys go through Um, snap in snap out every single game. So I'm hoping for some stability there this season. I think Connor McGovern can bring that because of what he did with his last team with the Cowboys, the amount of time that he's played, the starting experience that he has, and the point that he's at within his career. He's a younger guy. Yeah, young veteran player with a lot of snaps and a lot of starts under his belt. Um, We've only seen three practices in pads and it's still just thud up, you know. It's not like full speed, tackle to the ground, live. Now, we may get some of that tonight if they go live at the goal line, which sometimes happens somewhere between a week to ten days into camp. We don't see too much live anymore. No, we just don't. Uh, it's just a different time and even, in football. And even this year, I feel like we've seen less thud. Yes, I would agree with that. More tagging off. Yes, yes. More tagging off. But I will say that almost wire to wire, I mean, let's not, let's not forget, the largest free agent contract signed this offseason was by Connor McGovern. You're not making that kind of investment unless you expect him to be your starter at mm-hmm. left guard. He has almost been in there wire to wire yeah. here in training camp. Maddie and I noticed that yesterday, though, David Edwards rotated in for a series of snaps, but that's been it. So I think barring some unforeseen rocketing up the depth chart by somebody, and I don't think we anticipate that, I think you're looking at your starting left guard. 
As for Poyer and Hyde, I think Poyer looks like the same exact player he's always been. He's made plays in the passing game. Two interceptions, I think. Two picks already. As far as protective equipment, he is still wearing the elbow sleeve on his left elbow. Uh, If you remember, he dealt with that injury all last season. It was an injury he sustained in training camp when he hyperextended his elbow. Wasn't the same the rest of the season. He's still wearing that. Um, But other than that, he's looked like the same player he, he has always been. Uh, Micah Hyde hasn't been around the football as much, but I don't know if that's an accurate reflection of how he has performed in training camp, and he is not wearing any extra protection. Basically what he told me, and I know he's probably told this to you too, Maddie, that once he got the next surgery, after the rehabilitation is done, he's good to go. Mm -hmm. And he said he's felt tons better. Like right after surgery, he felt better. And that's why the doctors had to say, hey, no, I know you feel great, but you can't play football yet because that's how good he felt. I would expect him to get out there in in week one or when they go live to see him do what he's done on defense just because of the amount of time that he took off for a veteran player like himself to have – a year off, not that he wanted to have that year off, but to to be able to come back onto the field with really, really, really fresh legs, I mm-hmm. think is going to do him good once we once we start getting into week one, week two, week three. But yeah, you're right. The ball just has not been around him yeah. as much. So we haven't seen as much from Micah Hyde yet. Who knows? Maybe that's to come. But Jordan Poyer has been around the ball a lot more than Micah Hyde yeah, has. And- I will say this, they haven't used him any differently in terms of coverage assignments like, oh, you know, maybe he's a step slower. We can't put him in this situation. I have not seen any of that in the way they've drawn up the defense or the coverage assignments they've given him. So every indication is it's the same old Micah. And as Maddie pointed out, he might even have fresher legs. As for Jordan Phillips coming off the rotator cuff surgery, I saw him running gassers the other day with Von Miller with the strength and conditioning staff on the side. And then we had Daquan Jones on the show yesterday and He said he thinks he's going to be back in a couple of weeks. So he's still a little ways off. So I think we're looking at the tail end of the preseason Mm -hmm. when we might start seeing Jordan Phillips, which hopefully gives him just enough time to ramp up for the regular season. But we'll see. Back to the phones and to Judy in Buffalo. What do you got for us, Judy? Yeah, I was uh, hoping that Justin Shorter was a surprise find in the draft. Now, I haven't heard anything about him. Uh, I'm wondering, uh, does he have a future with the Bills, or or will he be cast off shortly? Okay, thanks for the call, Judy. Appreciate it. Um, He has been one of those players who has rotated up, you know, on the depth chart through the course of the first week of training camp and, you know, got some work with the unit higher than where he started. But I think we also have to remember this is a receiving core that spent money in free agency – to add talent that has experience in the form of Deontay Hardy and Trent Sherfield, mm-hmm. who I would say right now are in the top five. And then you have the three guys from last year that are still on this roster in Shakir, Diggs, and Davis. Those guys aren't going anywhere either. So now you've got five in front of you. There's arguably one receiver spot left on the roster, and that's what Shorter is fighting for right now. But I will say where he has been put out on the field in the practice setting is an encouraging sign, and he has made some plays. I think the difference is he's a very different type of receiver because of his height and length. I think he's strictly an outside guy, and he and like I said, he has made plays in the passing game. He just doesn't get the same number of snaps as a lot of the regulars uh, 
especially knowing with two new guys in the mix in Hardy and Sherfield, who they want to get ready for the regular mm-hmm. season and establish a rapport with Josh, it, it pushes shorter down the depth chart a little bit. So his opportunities aren't as frequent, but with the ones that he's had, I think he's done pretty well. And I think unlike a guy that we saw in the past, Maddie, like Isaiah Hodgins, he has shown some ability on special teams, which I think could help him make the 53-man roster potentially. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. There's like 13 wide receivers on the roster right now. I mean, the the guys who are all fighting for spots, they have been going through each and every one of them. So it's hard for these guys to get you know, a solid amount of reps every single practice because you have your your four in, let's say, Stefan Diggs, Gabe Davis, Deontay Hardy, and Trent um, Sherfield, who are getting a lot of the reps. You you almost have ten guys there, nine guys who then you have to get give secondary reps to outside at practice with with Matt Barkley and and Kyle Allen and sometimes Josh Allen. So. There's a lot of mouths to feed out there in terms of wide receivers. So we haven't seen a lot from some of these younger guys or some of these new guys who have just got brought onto the roster when you're also trying to make sure Josh Allen and Gabe Davis are on the same page after Gabe Davis is coming off of that ankle injury and is now finally feeling healthy. In the first few days of camp, we didn't see much out of Gabe Davis just because they weren't targeting him. It was a lot to Stefan Diggs to start off camp, but now we're seeing Gabe Davis being folded into the mix a lot, and he's had an incredible last few days of camp. You need to make sure Josh Allen and Stefan Diggs are good to go, and they were focusing on that to start camp. And then you're trying to get Deontay Hardy and Trent Sherfield up to speed with the offense. It's a lot for the wide receivers to do, so I just think we have not had time in practice to see some of these younger and newer guys on this roster because there's just not enough time. Yeah, and I think their biggest opportunities are going to come in the preseason games. Like yeah. A lot of the starters aren't going to play in the first preseason game. That's a major opportunity for Justin Shorter to shine, and if he does, more power to him. I think they ultimately keep six receivers – but there are five in front of them right now, and it's basically nine other guys battling for one spot on the roster. I can't see them keeping seven receivers because I think there's a strong likelihood they're keeping four tight ends. Yeah. Um, so with that in mind, there's probably just one spot there. Worst-case scenario for him is probably practice squad. we got to take a break here, but more of your phone calls when we return. Cassidy will lead us off when we get back here on One Bills Live, presented by Collider Health. It's Buffalo Bills Radio. All right, back here on One Bills Live. It is a Friday fan mailbag. Chris Brown, Maddie Clab with you. We're going to go right back to the phones. And Cassidy in Batavia is next. What do you got for us, Cassidy? Hey, Chris. Hey, Maddie. Uh, I got two things. Uh, I've been here in the quarterback position. Uh, QB2 has been more of a, a battle than, you know, we might have thought it would be. I just wondered what you guys' thoughts were being at camp and every day and seeing it firsthand. And then uh, second, uh, running back. Uh, if there's, you think there's going to be an RB1 situation or just, uh, you know, kind of a mixed bag of uh, Damien Harris and uh, uh, Cook there, um, since I know Cook isn't that as good of a blocker, and I heard that the other day Harris got a lot of first-team reps after Cook was struggling in the blocking game. Yep, happy to help you with that. Um, I would say first and foremost, I think Kyle Allen's kind of, 
seized the job a little bit more over the last few days. There was some more mixing and matching mm -hmm. in the first few days of camp. I think we've seen less of that the last couple of days. And if there's one thing that I would say Kyle Allen has over Matt Barkley, he's got a live arm. Um, there is zip on the ball when it comes out of his hand, not in the same way when it comes out of the hand of Matt Barkley. That's not to say that Matt Barkley can't make NFL throws. He can. It's just that Kyle Allen's arm is live. It's like there's a noticeable velocity on the ball when it comes out from Kyle Allen. And I think he offers a little bit more mobility, you know, to buy time and extend plays. And I think that would lend evidence to the fact that the re one of the reasons they signed Kyle Allen in the offseason was because I think they saw a guy who, while he's not Josh Allen, he has some similar skill skills and traits that might allow you to keep the offensive system relatively the same if, God forbid, Kyle Allen had to play because Josh was hurt. Yeah, they were repping in the red zone 11 on 11 yesterday for a big part of practice. And when Kyle Allen was down there, he had a few passes that we both looked at each other and were like, wow, this, this guy has got it. Um, he had a touchdown pass over to Desmond Patton, I think it was, that I circled on, on my notes of just a, a great throw and catch by the two of them. Um, Kyle Allen put that one on a rope to find Desmond Patton, a, a guy who's fighting for a roster spot in the wide receiver room. Yep. Um, so he had some nice plays yesterday. I think we're seeing more and more out of Kyle Allen every single day in practice just as he starts to get more and more comfortable with this offense, with it being his his first year on this team. You have Matt Barkley who, who has experience with this offense. Um, he knows the system. So he might have looked, you know, better in those first first few days with just understanding what where things are, where he needs to be, what's going on with things. But Kyle Allen has definitely um, come on strong in the last few days, yeah. I would say. And then at running back, Ken Dorsey's hasn't been shy about mentioning this. He sees James Cook as a three-down back, and I think it is his show, and he's kind of like, if it was a movie, he's your lead actor and Damian Harris and Latavius Murray are playing supporting actor roles. Um, there, it, it could have a committee look to it, I think, once the season gets here. But James Cook's going to be on the field more than any of them. And I, I don't even think that's a question right now. Just because his skill set is clearly the most versatile of the three, um, I think there are some limitations in the receiving game for Damian Harris in comparison to Cook, um, it's just there's a fluidity and a natural feel for the passing game that James Cook has that neither of the other two backs in the mix here can duplicate at to that level. And I think that's what kind of cements him uh, as the every down guy. Now, there might be third downs where both of them are on the field yeah. and they leave Harrison to pass protect to Cassidy's point, And, you know, they flare – Cook out or split him out wide like a receiver. That could happen. Yeah, th Cook has gotten thrown the ball quite a bit through camp, and, and it's I've been happy with what I've seen from him in camp when the ball has been thrown his way. I also look at the position as James Cook offers different things than Damian Harris does, and, and if you look at their body of work, they've they've been – 
good at different things within the game. So I, I I see Damian Harris out there as well in different in different down and distance situations. I mean he's he's more of your short yardage type running back. Um, James Cook could in, could get involved in some of that as well. Um, but I think it's James Cook's year to shine within yeah. that offense now that he has a year under his belt um, and and is starting to feel a little bit more confident confident in that second year I, I can see it from him he's he's got a different aura around him this season um, but I'm also excited to see what Damian Harris can offer to this offense because I think it's it's quite a bit as well yeah I think he'll play a role for sure let's squeeze uh, Lori on a cell in here before the break uh, what do you got for us Lori on one bills live hi this no this is Marie oh it's Marie okay I'm just reading off the phone bank here sorry about that Marie what do you got for us well, it's okay. So I'm just thinking that um, this preseason we need to keep a close eye on Trent Sherfield. Well, the team does. Because, I mean, before he's had previous short stints on other teams, and I just think he's not aggressive enough as a receiver. He, he looked like a cornerback dream lately because they just jumped in front of him and grabbed the ball. The interception that happened in Miami last year, it happened in practice here in Buffalo. It's like he's a $1.7 million practice squad player. And, I mean, he might be a good guy, and he might got good morale around the team. And maybe he's somebody that you pull off the practice squad if, God forbid, an injury. You need somebody to go for an out route. But I wouldn't trust him in the in a slant or over the – well, over the middle he'd have to be wide open. He's not good in tight coverage. He needs to get more aggressive. And I, I had a question about what do you think about – um the Jets brought in Dalvin Cook. He sat at practice. He just looked around, you know, just sat on the sideline. Why can't the Bills just bring him in? We got his brother here. His brother's obviously going to get a lot of time at the slot, um, being moved all over the field. I know we're going to have a lot of tight end play as well. But when the offense snags, you got Latavius Murray back there and James Cook. Um, James um, Latavius could pretty much – be a third down back. You need them extra yards get in there because he's big and he's a good blocker. Then you got Damian Harris, but, well, sometimes, you know, maybe he don't got it going at times. We have leverage. We have his brother here. Do you think that we could just bring him in for a visit to just watch preseason practice? Okay. Uh, A lot to unpack there, so we'll try to do it quickly because we are up against the break. I'll say this. Dalvin Cook is already getting significant offers, Um, and I have that from a pretty reliable source, Um, and I don't think the Bills want to spend that kind of money on a running back as evidenced by the two free agents they signed this offseason, Damian Harris to a one-year deal, Latavius Murray to a one-year deal. So I don't think they're in the market for Dalvin Cook. They're pretty happy with his younger brother. And then as far as Sherfield's concerned, he was one of the best players on the field in the spring in OTAs and minicamp. I'm sure you probably saw a couple of the highlights and you were a little discouraged but let's let the preseason play out, see what he does there um, before we pass judgment on him because this was a guy that was good enough to be the number three receiver in Miami last year behind Jalen Waddell and Tyreek Hill. I mean, this is not a practice squad player. This is a guy that can play. So I would say let's just let the preseason play out and see what he shows you. Uh, in terms of playmaking ability. He's been being used a lot within practices. So the more that you're out there, the more 
the more chances you have for a ball to get intercepted or picked off or or broken up that's heading your way. I mean, you're um, going against a top five defense every day. Don't forget that. Yes, he's been in there quite a bit. He has had his days where he has had some great catches and has made some great plays. But yeah, you're going up against one of the best defenses in the NFL. Um, sometimes Jordan Poyer is going to get away and get in your way and intercept a pass. Break time for us here, but when we come back, it's the two guys spinning the tunes at practice every day in training camp. They'll be spinning them over here across the parking lot at the return of the Blue and Red tonight. DJ Milk, DJ Yes, in studio next here on One Bills Live. Stay tuned. Live, presented by Kaleida Health. All right, here we are, hour number two. Get your dancing shoes ready. It's <laughs> Maddie Glav and uh, me, Chris Brown, joined now by DJ Yes and DJ Milk, who will be uh, spinning the tunes tonight, as they do every practice for the team. Let's go. But uh, this time there's a little bit more fan involvement, which you've gotten accustomed to, having done training camp. But this is a little bit different animal. There's going to be a Oh, I don't know, about 10, 15,000 more people yeah. in the stadium tonight than you usually get at a training camp practice, right, guys? Yeah, absolutely. Super stoked about tonight. Uh, I know the fan base is really excited, so we're ready to kind of bring it for them. little uh, season preview. Return of the blue and red. And you guys have done this event before, obviously. Um, is there anything different you guys got to do in terms of prep, knowing you might be going a little longer? you know, with fans coming into the stadium, that kind of stuff? Or is it just, hey, it's just another gig? Bring the energy. <laughs> football is back. Everybody is in love with football around here. Football is back. That's what this means. They're going to get to see the players today. Like for the first time, the rookie's going to get a chance to feel that excitement of being in the stadium, getting the Bills Mafia. So it's a, it's a good tune-up. I mean, you guys bring the energy, you bring the vibes. We saw that because at training camp this year, there was a practice where we were without power. Campus was um, part of the surrounding Dark. area was without power, and that meant there was no music. And and the vibes, I've got to say, well, the guys might have brought it on the field. The vibes were not as immaculate as they are when you guys are spinning the tunes. So <laughs> I guess when you when you step up to the plate to do your job every day, what type of atmosphere, and I'll milk you can answer this, yeah. what type of atmosphere are you guys trying to create every day? Yeah, I mean, we're there for, it's an interesting scenario, right? We're there for the fans. We're also there for the players, the coaches. And, yeah, the day without power, I think people got to – You guys were still there, though. Yeah, we were still <laughs> we there, there and uh, ready to, you know, rap or sing or whatever <laughs> else, but we just couldn't do that loud enough to please the whole crowd, right? Uh, but, yeah, we're trying, to, we're trying to bring an intensity that allows for the players and the fans to feed off of, right? So it gets hot or it might rain, whatever it might be, just that rhythm and intensity, as DJ Yes would say, too, um, is what we're trying to bring uh, in an atmosphere of fun, uh, nostalgia, even with some of the music of being able to take people back to the previous years. 
all of that's wrapped up in the music and, and, and again, setting a tempo, you know, a tempo for a practice, a tempo for the players. Uh, that is, I felt like, what we missed when the music was not there. And I think it's kind of one of those things where you don't know what it is until it's gone. You know, yeah. you don't miss it yeah. until it's gone. We have different people who are like, why is the music so loud or why is there music? And I think if you got to experience training camp that one day without music, you understand now why there is music. Yeah, and I don't know how many – Bills fans at large are familiar with like the whole genesis of you guys getting involved with mm. the daily practice. So, yes, why don't you just kind of <laughs> spell out, you know, how this arrangement where you guys are counted on to kind of keep the energy level up or get it up right from the jump of practice, how that all came about with Coach McDermott? Well, we met Coach. The first day that we met Coach, it was a great meeting. He kind of like felt the that intense energy that I have about football, that we have about <laughs> football. I love football, right? So, honestly, he went right to Kim Bagul. He's like, you know what? I need this energy at mm -hmm. practice. He went right to Kim that day. We got a call the next day. Yep. We were at practice. So, you know, we have a, a good communication with the coaches about, you know, what they want practice to be, the intensity, you know, how the guys are feeling. You know, it may be a Friday. It may be a Wednesday. It may be they be coming off a break. You know, we have to pick that energy back up. And the players usually respond to the energy. Yeah, the there's been uh, – that's, I think, too, as a team has gotten better over the years, right, the calendar has changed. So that's kind of been the – like, you know – without playing steady on Sundays. We, we would come in on Thursdays on a regular basis for, mm -hmm. for a Sunday game, and now the games are all, all over, over the place. Yeah. <laughs> and so just kind of that dynamic change. And then I would also say just, you know, building with coach and building with the players over the years, players who have been around now for a while, we've gotten to really build relationships with them. New players coming in, we understand how to forge new relationships with them. So, and we also have a different level of confidence from, let's say, year one to where we are now of understanding the structure, being able to take risks on certain songs that the players may not know about, um, and just kind of just really digging in. So, I feel like that that relationship has just progressed over the years yeah. as well. The number one key is that coach loves music. Yes, he loves music, mm -hmm. which makes it it makes it easy for us to go do our thing mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. we're we're comfortable with him playing whatever we need to play, and he's comfortable with us playing the music. So that that feels good. I think some fans may not realize. I mean, you guys are out there pregame on Sundays. You're going to be out there tonight. Mm -hmm. You're out there during training camp, but you're also out there throughout the season during practices that are closed to fans. Just you may be out there on a Wednesday or a Thursday or a Friday. Like they, these guys are out there with the team, helping them get through practice. I think one of my favorite things is when I look at the stretch lines and guys are dancing, <laughs> or yeah. there might be a song on it. And we might be in an 11-on-11 team period, but there might, might be some guys on the sideline who are really loving whatever song you guys mm -hmm. are playing, and you start to see it. And I love watching Vaughn, and I love watching <laughs> I Ed, remember. I love watching Steph. Who gets after it the most when it comes to dancing during practice? White. Yeah, White. Our, yeah, Tredavious <laughs> White. Like, yeah, he's he gets into it the most, I think, across the board. Um, and also – is the funniest and has the funniest things to say. Like, honestly, when we first started, he would get on us about the music we were playing. He would rib on us. It was great. And 
I, he's one of the players that definitely made us feel at home and feel part of the team in regards <laughs> to engagement. You know? Steph is serious about the music. When he wants yeah. his song, he's yeah. serious he, about yeah. everything. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he, his song, it, it motivates him. Yeah. He's, he is right. I, I got the goosebumps. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. His, his music, when he wants a song, yeah. he means it. Yeah. And it does, it, and you go. can see him pick it. You can see it picks him up too. A uh, couple training, couple camp days ago, we kind of really got in for the wide receivers. I took some time to talk to him and Davis, and just like everybody, just like yeah. really. That was going to be my question because obviously, to cater to those guys, you got to get a feel for what they like and you know what pumps them up and yeah. stuff. I mean, you guys have done this long enough where you can pretty much come up with a with a playlist, and it'll probably get most people jacked up. Yeah. But we know that NFL players, particularly receivers, can be a particular sort. <laughs> so um, how, how much, like you said, you, you were digging in to get to know their likes and preferences, and how much, do you, how much time do you spend to incorporate that into maybe a list that you're putting together for a practice session or a game day? It kind of depends on how much interaction we get to have with yeah, them. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean. It's That's a, why it's good to come to practice. Yeah. Exactly. That's why it's good to be around. Because there's a little more time. It's a little, yeah, yeah, yeah. a little bit more time. And it's a little bit more personal too. Practice yeah. is personal. You know, everybody's not there. We get we get that one-on-one interaction. You get to go up to them and ask, "Hey, what's going to turn you up today?" Right. Right. Because that changes from game to game. You don't want the same songs every game. You know, you want a different kind of, you know, motivation. And you know, it's serious and heavy out there on game day, so the music has to be serious and heavy. It's not fun. Right. Coach, like, yo, make it dark. Let's go. We don't. Yeah, bring <laughs> it. Bring it. Yeah, yeah right. I so. mean, that's through the phases of practice. It's the same thing, which is like, you know, we're warming up. We're kind of in a certain place. But by the time we're getting to period 10, 9, 10, 11, those last periods when people are tired and feeling it, and, and we still need everybody to bring it, it's a different kind of scenario. It's a different kind of scenario when we're really trying to get the defense going um, and, and what we're playing. And I think that's one of the things that, that I feel like the fan base has also come around to, which is kind of understanding the difference between what is the music that is for the fans just to be enjoying the time passing right, and what is right. the music that really is going to motivate the team. Mm -hmm. And you got to understand, too, that you also have a tremendous some, sometimes age gap between – an old school Bills fan mm -hmm. and a young player that's on the team. And so I feel like, honestly, our fan base over the years, when we first started, there was times where the fan base would be like, what's going on with all this trap? What's up with all the rap? What happened to, you know, classic rock and other things? And we try to mix that stuff in. But this dynamic of what we're there to serve, in particular with the team, is very generational in its own way. The team is young. The team has mm -hmm. the music that they enjoy, the music that gets them pumped up. And it may not necessarily be the same music that the fans um, enjoy or that gets pumped up, but I feel like everybody is rooting for the team mm -hmm. and that the fan base has really started to understand what our job is as well. Yeah. You These know? guys are so young. <laughs> hip-hop is old. <laughs> they don't know like some hip-hop that's really good hip-hop. They don't know. They might be hearing for the yeah, first time. Yeah, they might I hear heard, Biggie for the first time. I heard you roll out Beats to the Rhyme. Yeah, right. oh yeah, Run I did. Yeah. Yeah. I, had to, I had to play that's some Run DMC. Yeah, Tougher yeah, than yeah. Leather yeah. album. I know that. Yeah, they don't know exactly. nothing about that. Yeah, right. But some so. of those songs, they still hit, right? Like yeah. the, the, that, yeah. that, that beat is one of my favorite beats. And it hits. And I think that's it. Like where it's just like being able to feel like you have been DJing enough and know what hits and what has a vibe 
five so that the young players, when you hear it, they, they, when it comes on, they're like, okay, all right, I know what these guys are doing and be able to hopefully introduce them to some of the older music that I feel like is still prominent Culture. with a lot, of, uh, a lot of the fan base as well as perfect for the moment and practice. Exactly. Culture, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. Let's play a little game. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'm going to throw out some names, some different vibes, and you're going to attach Ooh, I like this. a okay. player to that. So let's go with, first off, who's who's into old school hip-hop on this team? Give me give me a name or two that's into old school hip-hop. When you guys play old school, they understand it. They know it. They like it. Vaughn. Yeah, Vaughn. And I would even say I've seen... I've seen Josh respond to old school hip hop. Yeah. Okay, you know Josh yes. Allen. I've seen him really respond to some old school hip hop. I, I saw Ed dancing to some. Ed, Ed Oliver, Ed, yep, yes. he'll respond to some old school hip hop. Uh, and even even White and Hyde, some of the other players, mm-hmm. I can see them responding to old school hip hop. It depends on I what, what across the board too with the whole team. Depending on how popular the old school hip hop song right, is right. too, it will stimulate old school hip hop dances, which is kind of one of the I things that everybody watching. likes to do. You <laughs> the know what I mean? D line gets yeah, into that. People like, yeah, people still like to do the running man and the wop and stuff like that. So you'll see mm-hmm. them break out old school dances yeah, as well. I surprised them yesterday with the cha cha slide. I was, they I were was getting surpri- after yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. I, I was surprised Diggs with was the response. All over it. Yeah, yeah. I was surprised with that. I didn't. You know, I was like, you know what? This is a, a community dance. Yeah, this yeah. is a stretch time. Okay, let's do let's that. Let's right? do it. So, yeah. yeah, it worked What out. about who's like new school? Who's the guy on the team that knows a song the day it comes out and wants to hear it played? That's Steph. That's Steph? Yeah. yeah. He's Steph, new school? Steph, Tehran. Yep. Oh, Tehran. Yeah. Uh, Poyer. Yeah. They, they like all that hard new stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, cutting edge guys. MBK, yes. yeah. Yep. All right, let's go with a couple vibes. What is Sean McDermott's vibe when it comes to music? Michael Jackson. Yeah. Michael Jackson. He loves Michael Jackson. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And he's Jackson. also into like a lot of the Rocky soundtracks. Yeah, I was about to say, yeah. I was just, that's what I was about to say. Yeah. I was like, you started getting into the Rocky soundtrack. I've heard you guys of... play the Eye of the Tiger. Yeah, exactly. Like, but it's like a mix. Yeah. It's like mm-hmm. a different remix. Yeah, we kind of yeah. put that in there with maybe like, you know, a little Montel, a little Rob Bass kind of vibe. You know what I mean? That's about 104, one, that's 104, 105 temp- tempo to 112, which is a really good tempo to kind of, when you're pushing. You know what I mean? Until we take it up through the roof. That's that that tempo is that that tempo that kind of stimulates. Okay, let's pick it up a little yeah. bit. And I think that's what Coach be looking for at yeah. that time period. He's like, let's pick it up some. And one more. What about Josh Allen? What does Josh Allen want to hear at practice? <laughs> <laughs> uh, Frank Sinatra. If, you know, yeah. he he's a you know he a cool, calm, collected kind of guy. Yeah. It, 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 you know, he can be rah rah. I'm quite sure, but you know. He's cool. He like he likes what he like his Elvis that Frank stuff, and I I, I love that too. So you know the other guys. I tr- I played Frank Sinatra one time. Steph went crazy on the sideline. <laughs> what are you playing went, this yeah, for? He was like, and I and I was like, well, this is this is for our guy. Yeah. You know, it's for this QB one. Get, get focused. That's right, QB one. Let him get focused. Then we'll play your song. You know, <laughs> right? But uh, yeah, Josh is real cool. He likes that cool, calm stuff, but he also likes that up-tempo. When we play that, the EDM stuff, he, he'll pump it up. Is that for Matt Milano, too, the yeah. techno? Yeah, yeah. tech. Mm-hmm. Matt Milano, he's mm-hmm. a DJ. He's yeah. actually, him and Vaughn are both DJs. We got yeah, some DJs yeah. on the team, and they're oh, both okay. they're both decent. They're yeah. both, they are, I, give them, I give them DJ okay. credits. I'm saying, would you let I'm, him get on your set? And yes, go? I would, let, I would yes. let him get on my set for sure. I just Absolutely. saw Matt Milano, he has, his, he has a new little piece of his own equipment. I was yeah. like, got oh. your own equipment? Yeah, huh? yeah he's like, 
I mean, oh, yeah. I'm, you're not taking. Yeah, <laughs> what, definitely not. Definitely, definitely not taking over the night. But I mean, you can yeah, get yeah, in. Yeah, you yeah. can get in and rock a little yeah, bit. Yeah, <laughs> we'll make, a, we'll make, take, we'll make a little. Turn. Make a little room for you. You know what I mean? Vaughn is the more serious DJ. He has equipment. You know. Yeah. Wow. We were just talking about DJ, and he was like, you know, it takes so much time to look for songs. Yeah. And he's right. And he's honest too. It's yeah. Like when he hears stuff that we're playing, he's like, yo, let me. What's that? What was that? Yeah. Uh, if I if he doesn't know something that he's yeah, that he feels hitting, he's like, yo, I need to. I want to put that on my mix. Yeah. Yeah. He's on it. Oh, okay. Yeah. And That's then cool. how long would you say, I mean, you do this, you guys do this almost every day. So maybe it's just second nature to you, but like, I don't know catalogs, like, you know, catalogs. Mm -hmm. Do you just like on a whim? I mean, there is a plan in place that you have to have based on what coach wants. But at the same time, is there just an encyclopedia in your head and it just spits out? Or are you seeking like new different kinds of things that you can incorporate because like you said earlier guys you got to make it different every day it, you know you can't keep going to the same yeah. standbys all the time I, I listen to music while I'm working out at the gym and on my way to training camp and I create my list as I'm doing like both of those things so whether I'm on my way to training camp or in the gym as I'm listening to music I'm like all right I want to put this in for camp day three camp day four and kind of just continuously making my crates of what I want to play on my phone, and it transfers over to my computer. How, so, do, how do you do it? I'm total silence. I like silence in the car. <laughs> I like riding the silence. I'm more of a game day gamer. I love having the butterflies. I love not knowing what I'm going to play and being like right in the moment of playing it and having to choose the song and that intensity. I don't like doing the pre preparing wow. yeah. stuff. So you guys couldn't be more different in how yeah. you put it together. You're, I mean, honestly, you're a preparer, yeah. and he's a you're yeah. like off the cuff. Yeah. Like, yeah. I'm gonna, and you can tell sometimes I'm going off the cuff. I off the cuff. Yeah. And, and definitely, <laughs> you can tell sometimes. That's, it's a, it's that's a, brave. It's, a, it's, a, yeah. it's across the board, too. Like we're, Our partnership over this last decade has been incredible, fabulous. But yeah. I think it's also because we're drastically two mm -hmm. different individuals. Yeah, we're we're way so, different. We're yeah your so differences different. is probably what makes you a good team. Yeah, 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 exactly. yeah we're, we're different. super, super different. So mm -hmm. you, so there might be times where what you pick is based solely on what you're seeing in the crowd. Like you might be feeling what you're seeing. I'm totally doing and that. That's, yeah. And that's going to determine where wow. you're going next. The yeah. people, the people will tell you. I mean, because you're there to entertain the people. We are entertainment as well. And everybody loves music, so you know you can. I'm looking for that person who's not patting his feet. I'm like, oh, I gotta make him pat his feet. <laughs> and he, he has to move. I need something to move right now. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I'm I'm definitely looking for that in the crowd. I, I love you know that crowd thing where you see somebody and like, ah, I got you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, or like if I play a country song, that totally people will look what. What, what do you know about that, here? right? Yeah. So, and I mean, no matter, and that's the other part too, and you guys kind of get it too. It's like, no matter how much you prepare, like you'll go through songs and be like, okay, this is a new song that's hitting, and you put it in your crate. But being in the moment too is there's, there's, mm -hmm. no, there's no getting around that yeah. no matter how you like cut you might it. have your list, but you're yeah. not locked in on it. No. And, and you'll, you'll deviate off it. Like, yeah, it's like, yeah, yeah. Like DJs call audibles too. It's not just QBs. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All the time. Yeah, exactly. There's, people there's are listening to music all the time in their cars, headphones. Mm -hmm. So I'm trying to play something that you're not listening to. Why you want to get in the car and listen to the same song? Come to the game, listen to the same song. So I really do like the culture of music where you can actually introduce music to some people in different age generations. And, you know, so you do have to go back in time. 
You know, it's been football for a long time. Football players have been listening to music for yeah. a long time, right? So then they've been getting jacked up and energized. So sometimes I, we try to go back and, you know, go into those areas and, you know, bring a little culture to the set. All right. Well, we look forward to the uh, performance by you two tonight. Yeah. We'll be uh, over there bright and early, as I'm sure you guys will be, too, getting set up yes. probably right after this. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yes. Yeah. Walk Any, across the parking lot. Anything we should expect tonight? Um, Just, I mean, be fun. yeah, it'll be fun. I'll be out front for a good hour and a half before, like, so for 4 to 5.30, I'll be right there where okay. the believers cool. are near the store. And oh, I'll cool. Be, and I'll kind of, nice. I'll be catering more to kids. Mm-hmm. Like, that generally kind of push towards the kids' vibe right there, get the young people really excited. And then once, yes, I'll be at the 50-yard line, mm-hmm. and then I'll meet him there, and that'll be pr- more about the players and, cool. and game right. experience. Yeah. Looking forward to it, guys. Yeah. Yo, thanks for stopping in. This thank you awesome. guys for having us. Appreciate you yeah. so much. Yeah. DJS, DJ Milk, they'll be spinning those wheels tonight. If you're coming tonight, get ready. Have the dancing shoes on because they'll right. get you moving for sure. We're going to take a break. <laughs> be back with more here on One Bills Live, presented by Collada <laughs> Health. It's Buffalo Bills Radio. All right, good conversation there with uh, DJ Milk, DJ Yes, who's going to be spinning the tunes tonight over at the return of the Blue and Red practice tonight. But as you heard, um, DJ Milk was saying how he's going to be out front by Mm -hmm. the Bill store and he'll be kind of catering the tunes to the kids. So if you're bringing your kids out, maybe stop there first after you get parked and uh, you'll have the kids jumping up and down uh, pretty quickly. It's, uh, I don't know what it is. Those guys just know what to play. They're fun. They're fun to be around, too. It's fun to get to know them and fun to dap them up at practice, tell them they're doing a good job. I appreciate them. Yeah. Uh, and they definitely, you know, get the players moving as well, which increases the competition level of practice, which is just what Coach McDermott wants. But let's get uh, back to the Friday fan mailbag, and we'll go to the Twitter page here the OBL tweet sheet, if you will, and Pat leads us off with the following. He says, I have tickets for tonight, and I'm not sure what to expect. How long does it last? What do we get to see? Is there access to players for autographs? Uh, So first answer is it usually goes about two hours. So it starts at 530, probably ends somewhere around 730. And then that is the point when if you're looking for an autograph, you'll have an opportunity. Most people move down to, you know, the front row, um, after practice is over. And really, the players, I do have to give them credit for this, they try to make an effort to go all the way around the, yeah. the ring of the, the stadium on the field to sign for everybody waiting along the rail there. Uh, and the players are pretty good about it, too. So that is your autograph opportunity at that point in time, after practice is over. Bill's Mafia Babes just tweeted out a picture of the line to get into Highmark Stadium already. People are lining up. It looks backed up in cars. Oh. It already looks like there's traffic out there. Yeah, the, the, the lot's open at 3. It's about 25 minutes from now. And then the stadium opens at 4. I believe the gates open at 4, if I have that right. I think I have that right. Um, Connor asks, McDermott seems to bring rookies along slowly. Do you think last season with Cook and Shakir has caused them to rethink that now, or do you think it's because Kincaid is that good? Might be both. The answer might be both. Um, I don't know if in reviewing last season they came to that conclusion. Only the coaching staff will know that. Um, but we, I think we can pretty definitively say Kincaid is that good, and it's one of the reasons he is being fast-tracked 
to play a major role in this offense. Yeah, I think Kincaid has popped early and often, and you could see what he can do to the offense and how he can make it more multiple, um, be another weapon for Josh Allen. Why wouldn't you want to use that on week one? We've heard time and time again some of these players say he does not seem like a rookie in the way that he acts out on the field. He has a good understanding for things. He's always learning. He just doesn't seem like – not that all rookies are like this, but, you know, the the giddiness of trying to figure out how to do things in your first NFL season, let alone your first training camp, can be a lot for a player. And it doesn't seem like it's been that way for Kincaid yet. Who knows if it will be? Maybe he'll just seamlessly kind of go into this thing, into his first NFL season, but the moment hasn't seemed too big for him yet um, is what we've been hearing from a lot of these players. And, and Cook and Shakir, at the end of the season – they they proved why they belonged out on the field with what they were able to put together in those last few games. Yeah, and the thing that I keep hearing in my head is what Josh said about Dalton the other day. He's a very, very smart player. I think he's wise beyond his years, which is doubly impressive for this reason, Maddie. Guy played one year of high school football. I know. Didn't start playing football competitively until his senior year in high school. And it's also crazy because I remember when he got drafted and you're talking to, to him and his family about, you know, being out here, being a Buffalo Bill. And and it was kind of like they they caught they caught fire with him with with his high school season and, and going into his his college years. It's something that they probably didn't think would happen, that he yeah. would be in the NFL, a first round pick now with an opportunity to to make a difference in his first year in the biggest league that you can play in, which I think is so cool when you have a story like that, a guy who really didn't see this happening for himself, and, and here it is. I just think it's so bizarre that the game comes so naturally yes. to him when he is so young in the game. I know. Not just in terms of age, but in terms of experience. Uh, it's really it's, – it's, like, almost unexplainable. Like, I don't know how that all came together so quickly – to make him this good this fast, but the Bills are going to benefit from it, so more power to him. Charles says, we know with adding Kincaid, the Bills will run more 12 personnel. Question is, do you think it could become their primary package with about 50% usage? Keeping Knox in line more might be good help for Spencer Brown, too. That's a valid point. Uh, Percentages, I think, are going to be predicated on who they're playing as much as what they like in their own offensive system. Now, look, if 12 personnel proves to be an unstoppable personnel grouping for this offense, yeah, it might get up to 50%. Um, But I think Coach Dorsey is going to use it, at least in the early stages, with some measure of discipline. I don't think he's going to go all in on that because 11 personnel has been a very productive personnel grouping for this offense for the better part of the last four years. So I don't think they're just going to scrap that and say, we're putting all our eggs in the 12 personnel basket. But I do think it is going to increase precipitously. You don't want to be too predictable too early, unless you're predictable to the point where you can't be beat because you're so good at what you're putting out there, whether it's 11 or 12 personnel. Maybe they do live in a world this year where nobody can beat them when they're in 12 personnel, and then we'll probably see that a whole lot more. But they want to be unpredictable. We've heard Ken Dorsey say this this season. You know, we've got we've – got 
pieces to this offense that can make us more unpredictable, make us more multiple, and we want to use it in that way. So I would see them kind of rotate through these different packages that they can use throughout the beginning of the season. Yeah, and, you know, we had Steve Mariucci on from NFL Network yesterday, and Steve and I were talking to him about the 12 personnel grouping, knowing he was a former coach, called offensive plays, and he said yes, based on the people they have in those roles, they are going to be able to cause problems for opposing defenses because they can line up and then detach Dalton and or Dawson, and suddenly it's a four-wide look. And they, you know, the next series they see that, the defense might say, oh, my gosh, we got to put DBs on mm -hmm. the field to cover these guys, especially Kincaid, um, in addition to Davis and Diggs. And then that's when Latavius Murray or Damian Harris is suddenly on the field. And you say, okay, you're going to put six in the box. We're just going to hand it off <laughs> and run it between the tackles. It is a problem personnel grouping. And that's exactly what Ken Dorsey wants to cause, problems for the defense. And you get a sense that the team, the players are really excited for this as well. I and mean, we heard from Dawson Knox um, earlier in training camp, and he was kind of describing what the team is going to be able to do when you're using two tight ends. Um, and he was explaining, you know, Dalton can be lined up out wide, or I can, or we can switch. We can kind of interchange what we're doing on offense in, in different situations and, and maybe I might be better here and Dalton might be better there but we can we can interchange what we're able to do and just hearing him say that and, and how excited he was about the the options that this offense is going to have this season makes I think anybody fans us covering this team even more excited for it too because these guys I think see the possibilities that are out there for them this season with what they have on offense, knowing how last season went, knowing that they had to go out there and get John Brown and they had to go out there and get Cole Beasley to try and make some things work when this team was injured last year. I think they feel that they're at a point, at least right now, where, where they have a lot of variety that they can they can go to and they can use and and knowing what they can do with all that at a very high level with a quarterback like Josh Allen I think they're all ready to get going yeah and not for nothing but like Quentin Morris has very quietly had he's had a great a, camp a consistent <laughs> camp too he really hasn't dropped a thing he had a couple of one-handed grabs the other day um that got some notice on Bill Social guy's been solid I mean yeah. he's almost locked in as the third tight end for sure um so, yeah, I mean, they're suddenly, like, I don't want to say deep, but they're in a pretty good spot yeah. at that position right now. Steve asks, with the addition of Taylor Rapp, I think we expect to see a steady dose of dime this year. If that's the case, whoever the Mike linebacker is, he will be coming off the field. Why don't they just give the green dot to either Milano or Taron, who are experienced and will never come off the field? Well, I don't know if that's 100% accurate, only because – there are times where Taron may come off the field and mm -hmm. Rap may come on the field. They may keep two linebackers on, and Rap may be on there as like a quote-unquote third safety or a hybrid linebacker of sorts. So I don't think you want to give the green dot to a nickel corner. I don't think you want to give the green dot to Milano because now that's more for him to think about. The guy is a first-team All-Pro by being an instinctive player, I think if you give him the added responsibility of that, I think you're going to take away from his playmaking ability. I think you leave it with the middle linebacker. Mm -hmm. um, and you can have more than one player with the green dot on their helmet. They just can't be on the field at the same time. So you could have Tyrell Dotson with a green dot, 
Terrell Bernard with a green dot and maybe even Taylor Rapp with a green dot. Now, if one is subbing in for the other, you're fine. If one is not subbing in for the other and they're on the field at the same time, one of those players will have a second helmet that doesn't have the communication device in it, and you're fine. But it wouldn't surprise me if there are two, maybe three guys that have green dot helmets that they will either wear or not wear, depending on whether they're communicating with Coach McDermott or not. And Coach McDermott was asked about this in the beginning of training camp. Uh, hey, would you give the green dot to somebody else on the defense if you don't want it to go to the middle linebacker? And, and he said, we want it to go to the middle linebacker. That's who we want wearing the green dot. But if we need to give it to somebody else this season, we would do that. Yeah. It just makes too much sense for the middle linebacker to have it. He's sitting in the middle of the entire formation. It's the easiest for him to communicate with everybody else verbally. I know they do hand signals when it gets loud, particularly at home games. You know, you're trying to communicate, and sometimes they can't hear, and you got to do, like, different kind of hand signals, you know, whatever. Um, but you need that guy in the middle of your defense because then he can reach everybody with his voice. If you have a safety 22 yards from the line of scrimmage, there's no way in heck that anybody up on the line is hearing him, Yeah. Um, let alone corners on the outside. So that's, that's the main reason why it's the middle linebacker. Chris asks, last year you had Michael Robinson, the year before Kyle Brandt. Who will be your weekly guest on One Bills Live this season? That is an excellent question. Woo. I don't have an answer, and we're still looking for someone. So if you have any ideas – who you guys want uh, to On a be. national level that you'd like to hear from on a weekly basis, talk about the Bills and the league at large, fire it off to us at One Bills Live. Let us know. We'll yeah. do our best. We'll do our best to nail somebody down for you. Um, we'll take any and all suggestions. So I'm open to anything. You still got some time. There is still time. Oh, yeah. These, these bookings, they happen in the 11th hour anyway, <laughs> half the time. Uh, Mike on the tweet sheet asks, how is Shorter doing in camp? I've not heard much about him. We kind of covered that a little bit with Judy in Buffalo mm-hmm. when she called. He's doing okay. He's been rotating up a little bit. We'll see how the preseason goes for him. TD Mac asks, are there any legit options available for a backup right tackle? The Bills brain trust went all in on Spencer Brown. What if injuries hamper this season? It's early to panic, but there doesn't seem to be a viable plan B on the roster. Why don't you take that one, Maddie? Well, we've seen Brandon Shell line up in that right tackle position. So he's somebody that got brought onto the roster, um, a signing that I think was a little bit under the radar in terms yeah. of our fan base. Um, but he's somebody who's who's played the game. Who's, he's somebody who has good starting experience and I think is a good option, um, whether it's it's Spencer Brown can't go for a game or, or whether it's we want some – some options here with this position. I mean, Spencer Brown, we all want him to have a healthy and good season. I think we are all cheering for him. We want him to be able to put it together. We want him to to have that third year in the NFL where it's like this is our right tackle. He, he's had a great year. We haven't seen that yet. Uh, Brandon Bean has spoken about it in the offseason, just kind of the, the wear and tear on his body that he's already faced um, with, with some of those injuries that he's had to recover from. He's healthy right now, Hopefully that, that continues throughout camp and throughout the season. Um, but Brandon Shell has repped in there when, when they've gone to use other formations within, within the five offensive linemen that we've seen out there. So yeah. he's an option. 72 starts in the league. I mean, it's not like he's some spring chicken yeah. who's been a career backup. The guy has a lot of games under his belt as a starter. And so I think he is better depth than they even had last year. I mean, you still have David Questenberry here. Um, who could be the team's 
third or fourth tackle, depending on how the depth chart shakes out. But Shell has played on the right side a ton, so not a problem for him at all. He could step in and do that mm -hmm. at the drop of a hat. Got to take a break here. There is news on the NFL front concerning a potential suspension for Alvin Kamara. It's been handed down. We'll tell you how long it is when we return. Here on One Bills Live, presented by Kaleida Health, it's Buffalo Bills Radio. As we mentioned on the way to break, suspension handed down by the league for Alvin Kamara for his altercation in Las Vegas during the weekend of the Pro Bowl. Um, I mean, he did plead down his felony to a misdemeanor and settled his civil suit uh, against those that uh, charged him with uh, an alleged, you know, made the allegations. And he, to his credit, said he was completely wrong. He was completely in the wrong. But it did not... Uh, keep him, uh, you know, allow him to escape from NFL discipline. He got suspended for three games. Now, what I wonder, Maddie, is if he's going to appeal it and if it'll get reduced. A lot of times we see that happen. Yeah. Homeless Titans, Panthers, and Packers those first three weeks. His return week four will be against the Buccaneers. Yeah. And the Saints kind of anticipated they could be looking at something like this. So they signed Jamal Williams in free agency, the running back who came over from Detroit. Mm -hmm. And they drafted Kendra Miller, who I believe, if I remember right, is at a TCU. Um, so they, they made sure they insulated themselves against the potential ab absence of Kamara at the beginning of the season. That's exactly what's happened. Uh, we have time for one last question from the mailbag. How does Osiris Torrance look? Looks pretty good. Um, he's been rotated in with the ones. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't think that competition is over yet because nope. Ryan Bates is still getting time with the ones as well. But it is a two-horse race, I think, at that position. It'll be interesting to see how it plays yeah, it's out. Yeah, it's been fun to see what he's been able to do so far. Maddie, thanks for the time and helping us out here today as yeah. always. Uh, if you're coming to the Blue and Red Scrimmage tonight, have fun. We'll see you on Monday.